The LA Kings lose to the Oilers and lose second place. I'll tell you why the Kings' next game should decide how they close out the regular season. Plus, we'll again discuss who the Kings' number one goalie should be going into the playoffs. That and more on this edition of Locked on LA Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Kings. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Kings fans, welcome to Locked on LA Kings, your team every day, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked on LA Kings your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Please like and subscribe if you are enjoying this content. My name is Eddie Garcia. I'm your host of Locked on LA Kings. I've worked in sports media for the past 30 years, 20 plus years at the Fox Sports Radio Network. I'm also co-host of the Puck Podcast. It's a weekly NHL review show that's been putting out content for the past 16 years and a passionate LA Kings fan for the past 30 years. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Well, the LA Kings lost their big game against the Edmonton Oilers Tuesday night at crypto.com arena. 3-1 was the final. As expected, it was a hard-fought, intense game that had a playoff-like feel to it. And despite the loss, as always, there are good and bad things to take away. As for a quick recap of the game, uh, it was scoreless after one period. As a matter of fact, not a lot of scoring chances in that opening period for either team. It was like a couple of boxers kind of feeling their way out uh, against their opponent a little bit, although this is the fourth and final meeting between the two teams, so you thought that they already kind of figured that out. But uh, only two shots on goal uh, for the Kings, and the Oilers had only three. Now, if you were scoring the first period like a boxing match, I think I would have probably given it to the Kings for being more effective and having – uh, you know, the more la- more punches thrown, perhaps not shots on goal, but just kind of better all around. Thought they played better, and the Oilers did have two chances on their great power play, and they had absolutely nothing to show for it. Uh, matter of fact, the Kings uh, outstanding on the penalty kill and outstanding defensively overall in that opening period, as the Oilers had zero shots on goal, five on five in that first twenty minutes of play. Uh, Sean Walker did take a penalty. Uh, for the uh, Kings in the second period, that gave the Oilers' power play chance another opportunity, and the Kings looked to be on their way to killing off another Oilers' power play, but with about 30 seconds left in the man advantage, the Oilers would score and take a one nothing lead. In the third period, the Kings would finally get on the board. Victor Arbiton uh, shoots a shot from the point, uh, which is not normally where he shoots it from, and Philip Deneau skating through the center of the ice I wasn't really that close to the goal, but he skated in front of uh, the line of sight uh, for goaltender Stuart Skinner, and it affected him just enough to let that shot get by him, and we were tied up at 1-1. However, just 30 seconds later after scoring the tie-it, Victor Arvidsson would take a slashing call on Connor McDavid, and the Oilers would reclaim the lead on Leon Draisaitl's NHL-leading 31st power play goal of the season. Now, LA would eventually pull Phoenix Copley to get the extra attacker with about two minutes to go, but Oilers defenseman Darnell Nurse would clear the puck off the boards and it would slide all the way down the ice and luckily into an empty net for the Oilers, luckily. And that was the final. Edmonton gets the 3 1 victory. Now, I'm going to be honest about this. Uh, I am 53 years old, uh, but sometimes uh, I think I'm uh, 13. 
Uh, I mean, look, I, I was I was not happy after the game. Uh, I was grumpy. Um, and that's just part of being a passionate fan. You know, I may be, uh, I may be older, um, but I still obviously have a, a passion to see the Kings do well. Uh, obviously not a big fan of the Oilers. Matter of fact, I'm growing to hate them quite a bit, although they are, you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. They have a very good team and two incredible players, but I was pretty grumpy and I felt like it was going to affect my analysis and critique of the LA Kings. So I did something that I, I do on occasion. And I went back and watched the game. And obviously, I knew the outcome. I knew what was going to happen. And I was able to take my emotions out of it and kind of give it a more honest effort as far as evaluating what the Kings did. And there were things to like about what the Kings did. Um, you know, they were taking on arguably the best team in the NHL right now. Now, Boston has been the best team all season. But right now, the Oilers are playing just as good as any team in the NHL. And it was tied 1-1 with seven minutes to go. It was pretty much anyone's game at that point. Um, the Kings were right there. Uh, they played well, but not well enough to, to get the win. So I'll, I'll use the line I've used many times when I have felt like the Kings have played well, but in the end lost. And that was to be disappointed, but not discouraged. The Kings are 2-2 two and two against the Oilers this season. However, they have lost the last two meetings all within the last week. Uh, by scores of 2-0 and 3-1. It's not like the Kings are getting blown out, again, by arguably the top team in the NHL right now. So let's start with the biggest factor in this game, and it's the, it's what everyone knows. There's not a lot of secrets when you have division rivals, when you've had uh, teams facing each other that just faced each other in a seven-game playoff series last year, and that, of course, is the Oilers' power play. Both their goals against the Kings in the loss, while the Kings had a goalie in net, came on the man advantage. Uh, the Oilers, uh, you know, are going to get their opportunities. Uh, it's not realistic to think that you can play a team like Edmonton and not be physical and not be disruptive with your sticks, but you got to be smart about it. I, I know it's easy to say, stay out of the box. Well, again, easier said than done. It's the type of penalties you take when you take them and if you're able to kill them off. So obviously you want to stay out of the box as much as possible if you're playing this Oilers team. And when you do give them a man advantage, do your best to kill off those penalties. So that's what the Kings have done, I think, for the most part this season uh, against the Oilers. Um, again, be disruptive. Get your stick on their stick, but you can't get it up into their up into their midsection. You can't get it up into their hands. Uh, you can't do any obvious slashes or holds. And if you do take a penalty, make it in the defensive zone and not in the offensive zone. As for the game-winning goal, talked about Victor Arvids taking that penalty. It was a bad penalty. He slashed Connor McDavid into his hands while he was carrying the puck, and everybody saw that. That's exactly the type of penalty you cannot take against the Oilers, and in particular against a guy like Connor McDavid. Now, to be fair to the Kings, uh, they have been better against the Oilers' power play than any team in the NHL this season. Again, if you don't know, not only is the Oilers' power play the best this year in the NHL, it is likely going to be the best power play in the history of the NHL. All right, right now they are operating at 32.7%. So what does that mean? 32.7% of the time when the Oilers get a power play, they're going to score a goal. Um, again, that leads the NHL, but historically, the best power play percentage by an NHL team in a single season was 31.9 by the 1977-78 Montreal Canadiens. Again, the Oilers are at 32.7. Leon Dreisaitl, who scored the game-winning goal 
for the Oilers last night has 31 power play goals. That's more goals than your average player gets, even strength, short-handed power play, whatever. Uh, the NHL record for most power play goals in a season is 34 by Tim Kerr of the Flyers back in the uh, mid-80s. It, when it's all said and done, Leon Draisaitl might be the greatest power play goal scorer for one season in the history of the NHL. So that's what the Kings are going up against. Again, it's not just a good power play now. It's a good power play for all time in NHL history. That said, the Kings have by far been the most effective team killing off penalties and containing the power play of the Oilers than any other team in the NHL. The Oilers this season against the Kings have two power play goals in 13 opportunities. Now, unfortunately, those two goals did come in the last game, but that's 15.3% uh, uh, that the Oilers' power play is working against the Kings. Uh, again, the Kings handle the Oilers' power play better than any other team in the NHL. It doesn't mean that it's still not lethal at times, but if the Kings end up playing the Oilers in the playoffs, uh, that's certainly something the Kings can look to as uh, one of the reasons why they might be able to beat the Oilers uh, in the playoffs. Now, we talk about the Oilers' power play, but the Kings' power play has to be better. We talked about it at the beginning of the season. What were some of the keys for the LA Kings to be better this season than they were a season ago? And the power play was right at the top of the list if, amongst the top things that needed to be addressed, if not the number one thing. Uh, the power play has been better for the LA Kings. Since the trade deadline, the Kings have the second best power play in the NHL, only to the Oilers. The Kings are at 26.9%. That's great. Um, but again, it has to be effective. It has to be uh, noticeable. It has to be a factor when they play big games. And it wasn't last night. Four power play chances for the Kings last night equaled zero goals. Now, the power play, is it significantly affected by the fact that Kevin Fiala and Gabe Velarde are not out there? There's no question. But regardless, uh, it still has to be at least some sort of a factor in the Kings, especially when they played the Oilers. Last year in the playoffs, it was a lopsided, clear advantage for Edmonton. Their power play was dominant, and the Kings was bad. Now this year, the Oilers still have a dominant power play, but the Kings have been good, if not very good, on the power play. And But that has to show up in these games, especially head-to-head -head against Edmonton. You know, it, where, where in the playoffs last year, it was a gigantic advantage for the Oilers, this time around, it, it only needs to be a you know a small advantage for the Oilers. The Kings' power play has to show up. It has to you know if the, if the Oilers score two power play goals, the Kings need to get one to try and balance things out. Um, that wasn't the case last night, and and that was another factor. But again, going forward, if the Kings meet up in the postseason with Edmonton, that power play has to at least give the Kings something. It didn't give them anything last night, and that was part of the reason why the Kings came up short. Uh, also, a factor in last night's game the top players showing up. Uh, it did for the Oilers, and it wasn't for the Kings. Uh, Connor McDavid didn't score a goal, but all things considered, you know, the Kings have done a pretty good job overall against Connor McDavid as well as you can against the greatest player in the world, the MVP of the league by far this year. But in this big game, in a close game tied 1-1, McDavid draws the power play and ends up assisting on the game-winning goal on the power play. Leon Dreisaitl scored that power play goal. That was the game-winning goal. The two big guns for the Oilers showed up last night. For the Kings, they don't have a Connor McDavid. 
They don't have a Leon settle, but they have an Adrian Kempe. And he had a couple of great chances. He's the Kings leading goal scorer. He has to be a factor in these big games. And he, I thought he had two, if you don't want to say grade A, I'll say grade B scoring opportunities in the game. Vladislav Gavrikov gave him a nice feed in the first period. He had a great scoring chance, missed the net. And then in the second period, he had kind of a partial break-in, uh, and he couldn't score on that one either. So, again, the Oilers' stars showed up last night in this huge game, and the Kings didn't. Andre Kopitar, uh, Adrian Kempe, the top line needs to be a factor. It really wasn't. Um, and, again, the Kings only got one goal. But, like I said, when you have those scoring chances, like Adrian Kempe had, and you're the top goal scorer for your team, you got to come through for your team. And, unfortunately, he did not do that going forward. Again, if the Kings face the Oilers in the playoffs, Kempe has to be a factor. He has to be someone who scores three or four goals in a series to at least try and negate some of the stars for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, the Kings, again, are they missing Gabe Velarde? Are they missing Kevin Fiala? Are they missing Mikey Anderson? There's no doubt. Um, and those guys could have certainly helped out a lot last night, but We'll see. Uh, hopefully they'll be ready to go in case there is a matchup uh, rematch in the playoffs. But right now, again, the Kings power play has to give them something. The top players like Adrian Kempe have to give them something or else they're not going to be able to overcome that Oilers power play or those star players. But uh, that was the case last night. But the Kings, again, were still right there late in the game. Uh, so, I, again, I think you could be encouraged by that. I think you could be encouraged by the fact that the Kings certainly were in this game without some of their top players. Um, but in the end, you know, it, a rematch, if it happens against Edmonton, and it looks like it's probably going to happen. Uh, again, power play got to be better. Star players got to step up. And hopefully with the additions of some of the guys who have been hurt, that could be the difference. Uh, because the Kings are right there with the Oilers. And again, they are arguably the top team right now in the NHL. So, yes, disappointed. We couldn't get the win, especially on home ice. But I don't think we need to be completely discouraged. Like, oh, we can't beat the Oilers. I think they can beat the Oilers, but it's going to take better than what they were able to uh, give last night. Speaking of playoff-like atmosphere and the Kings giving as good as they're going to get, I, I thought the Kings, look, they're not a physical team. We know this. But uh, the Kings were, I don't know if the word feisty is a good word to use. Uh, they certainly weren't getting pushed around by the Edmonton Oilers last night by any stretch. I thought, like, like I said, the Kings were giving as good as they were getting last night against the Oilers. There were those scrums around the net, and Kings players were engaging in those things. They weren't backing down in any way from the Oilers, which is good to see. I, in particular, I know Alex Iafalo got kind of pushed, shoved awkwardly uh, into the boards, went down to the ice. He immediately popped up, and he went right after the Edmonton player, got his glove and his stick up in his face. They both got roughing calls and went to the box I like that. That was good to see. The Kings are not going to let a team like the Oilers push them around. I thought that the intensity, the more of the physical play that we're used to seeing from the Kings, I thought it was there last night for LA, and that's that's certainly a, a good thing to see. Uh, let's get into the goaltending and how did Phoenix Copley perform in his biggest game of the season to date, and what does it mean for the goaltending situation going forward? We'll discuss that in more in just a second, but first, I want to remind you that today's episode of Locked on LA Kings is brought to you by FanDuel. We're now closing down the NBA season, and now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, and super easy to use. 
Then you can bet on everything from the money line to points scored to three-pointers made. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bet for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in a bonus bet when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. So how did Phoenix Copley do in his biggest game of the season? And he did pretty much what he's done all season, and that was be good enough. Uh, As far as the two goals he allowed, I would say one of them was stoppable. I won't go so far as to say it was a soft goal, but I think stoppable is the right way to describe it. Um, That first goal was, again, like both goals, were on the power play. Ryan Nugent Hopkins got a cross-ice pass off to the left side, had some time and space to to pick a, 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 a spot, um, let a wrist shot go, and it went through Copley, either under his glove or maybe under his left armpit more more directly. Um, and there was no traffic in front of Copley. He saw it all the way. It was a shot from about 20 feet out. And again, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a good goal scorer. But I thought it was stoppable, in my opinion. That was the best way to describe it. Uh, Copley, looking at the shooter, it was to his right. Um, the shot went across his body and beat him under his left arm, his left glove, his left armpit. So uh, saw it all the way. Uh, again, Nugent Hopkins is a good shooter. Uh, he, I think he's got 30-plus goals this year. But in a big game, you got to come up with some big saves. And again, I thought that was stoppable for Phoenix Copley. The second goal, totally not his fault. Connor McDavid, we talk about it on the power play. He makes a nice move to avoid Matt Roy You know, at the top of the crease. Puts a shot on goal from about 12 feet away. Copley makes the save, but the rebound trickles over to his left. And Leon Dreisaitl is right there to put it in basically into an empty net. So again, both goals against for Copley power play goals. Um, Again, one I thought was stoppable. The other one, certainly not. And so the Kings goaltenders have done what they have done so many times down the stretch here. And that is allowed two or fewer goals in a game. Matter of fact, 15 of the last 16 games for the Kings, their goaltenders have allowed two or fewer goals in regulation and overtime, including five straight. So the Kings goaltending and their defense, which obviously plays a factor in that, has been good enough. And Phoenix Copley, I thought, was good enough last night against the Oilers for them to get a win. The Kings uh, offense, unfortunately, did not pick them up. So here is the updated goalie stats. As of the trade deadline, Phoenix Copley now, after last night's loss, is 6-1-1. Since the Kings acquired Jonas Corposalo, his goals against average is 2.11 and his save percentage is 915. Jonas Corposalo is 5-2-1 since joining the Kings. His goals against average is 1.75 and his save percentage is 937. It is expected that the Kings will start Jonas Corposalo in their next game, which comes up on Thursday in Vegas against the first place Golden Knights. I don't feel like Phoenix Copley did anything to lose the possibility of being the Kings' number one goalie when the playoffs start. But I also feel like if Corposalo has a big game against Vegas, that he will likely get the nod and be the number one goalie to start the playoffs. If he doesn't, then things remain a bit up in the air. But again, that's just my feel on it right now. If Corposalo comes up with a big game, plays great, uh, I don't know that the Kings necessarily have to win. Um, but if, you know, he plays great and they come up just short, then I think that might be enough to get him the nod going forward. Um, but we'll see. It, it remains to be determined. So the goalie situation certainly hasn't been cleared up any 
uh, after last night's game, which is a good thing because, again, Phoenix Copley has held his own, played great for the Kings all year. He did his job last night. Yeah, the one was probably stoppable. You'd love in a big game for him to make a spectacular save at times in key moments. But, again, he did good enough. He did his job and, and, and put his team in a position to win, which he has done all season long. So we'll see about uh, Jonas Corposalo against Vegas, how that goes. Uh, again, if he has a big game, I think that that gives him the edge over Phoenix Copley. As for the health of the LA Kings, unfortunately, there is nothing new to report on the status of Kevin Fiala, Gabe Velarde, Mikey Anderson, or Alex Edler. I do not know if they made the flight to Vegas. Uh, the Kings are left for, for Las Vegas this afternoon, and they'll be flying back right after because they have a home game coming up on Saturday against Colorado. So it's just a quick, quick trip there and back. And I didn't see any reports as far as if any of these four guys made the trip to Vegas. My guess is no, um, but that remains to be seen. The Kings did make a roster move today. They recalled defenseman Jordan Spence from the AHL. Uh, remember, they called up Tobias Bjornfoot, who played against Edmonton. I thought played pretty well. Um, nothing spectacular for him, but I thought he was solid. It's kind of the typical Bjornfoot game, which I have talked about uh, when, when mentioning him uh, you know, off and on. Uh, he isn't real noticeable, which is a good thing and a bad thing. But I think in, in his case, it's a good thing because if he's noticeable, that means that he's coughed up the puck. He isn't covering, uh, you know, in his own zone. He's made a bad decision to turn the puck over. Didn't see that from Tobias Bjornfoot last night against Edmonton. And I think that, that again, is a, is a good thing if he has to draw into the lineup. So we'll see if Jordan Spence now he's called up because of the injury to Alex Edler. So you've got two very young but somewhat experienced uh, young blue liners, the Kings, We'll see if they turn two or not uh, in that Vegas game. So with the Kings losing to the Oilers, uh, there is one game in the books, but another very, very big game coming up, and that is against the Vegas Golden Knights on Thursday in Vegas, as we just talked about. Where do the Kings sit now as far as the playoff seedings and playoff matchups, and where could it be in the near future? We will talk about that in just a moment, but I also want to remind you that today's episode of Locked on LA Kings brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? you got to try Built Bar. They are so delicious, you won't know you're eating something that's actually good for you. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond, uh, and they're only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, with a whopping 17 grams of protein. Now you don't have to wait to get your box. You can head out to your local Walmart or Sam's Club to pick them up. They're in the pharmacy section. In addition to the new flavors, they've got the old favorites too, like cookies and cream, double chocolate, and coconut puffs. Built Bars, protein bars that taste like candy bars. All right, let's check in on the very close standings in the Pacific Division. As far as the top three teams, which is really where the movement potentially could come from, I think Seattle is locked in as that number one wildcard team. Um, but as far as first through third, it's still to be decided. So, the Kings lose to the Oilers and the Golden Knights last night were able to beat the Nashville, or excuse me, no, they lost to the Nashville Predators uh, in, in overtime. So the Golden Knights did get a point for losing on the road against the Predators. Uh, right now, um, the Kings are one point behind the Oilers and in third place in the Pacific Division. Uh, the Oilers have 101 points. The Kings have 100. Vegas is on top of the division uh, with three points up on Edmonton and now four points up on the LA Kings. And of course the Kings facing the Vegas Golden Knights coming up on Thursday. Um, right now, as it stands, the Kings would face the Oilers in the first round of the playoffs. And certainly at the moment, Edmonton would have home ice advantage, but that's to be determined. Like I said, 
All three teams, Vegas, Edmonton, and LA, have four games remaining. Golden Knights have the toughest schedule of the three. Uh, they play the Kings at home on Thursday. Then they're going to be at Dallas, which is currently, I, th- I think at last check, they were leading the Central. But if not, they're maybe a one point back uh, of Colorado. Speaking of the Avalanche, that's uh, Kings' upcoming opponent. But again, so Vegas hosts the Kings. They're at Dallas. They host Seattle, and then they're at Seattle. That's their final four games to close it out. So they're going to be taking on their final four opponents are all playoff teams. So that's a pretty tough schedule. Uh, The Kings, I think, have the second toughest schedule of the three. Um, As I mentioned, at Vegas, then home to Colorado, home to Vancouver, and then at Anaheim. And then the Oilers have, I believe, the easiest schedule remaining of the three. They're at the Ducks tonight, uh, at San Jose, uh, at Colorado, and then host the Sharks in their regular season finale. For the Kings to have any chance, I believe, at winning the division, they have to beat Vegas in regulation tomorrow. Uh, if they don't, they'd be six points back of Vegas with three games to play. And the Oilers were having the easiest schedule. I would say if the Kings don't beat the Golden Knights, I think it's time for the Kings to basically forget about seeding, forget about home ice, forget about winning the division, and just focus on the playoffs. If I'm Todd McClellan, and again, if the Kings lose to the Golden Knights, I go to Andre Kovatar, I go to Drew Doughty in particular, my veteran guys, uh, and and anybody else, frankly, and say, listen, if you need a day off, if you feel like you need a day off to rest to help you out for the playoffs, if you need to get a reset, if you have some nagging injury that you really think would benefit by you getting a day off, let me know and we will do the best we can to accommodate you. It's not throwing in the towel. It's just being smart. Uh, if a day off can be something that can help one of your players kind of just reset, like I said, help a little bit on a nagging injury. You let him just get treatment, not worry about you know playing in a game. If the Kings lose to the Golden Knights, I think that should be what the Kings do going forward. Again, you're not going to just roll over in these final couple of games against Vancouver and against Anaheim. Uh, but again, I think if you beat Vegas, you're right in the thick of it. If you lose to Vegas, then you're pretty much out of it because, again, because of the schedule that Edmonton has, uh, and then Vegas being up six points, I think it's time to say, you know what? Time to focus in on getting ready for the playoffs. We'll see if that happens. Hopefully it doesn't because hopefully the Kings beat Vegas on Thursday. And again, we're, we've got crucial games going down the stretch. Do you agree or disagree with anything I have said? Uh, do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on the Kings goaltenders? Who should it be to start the playoffs? Are you confident that the Kings can beat the Oilers if they do match up with them in the playoffs again? Uh, any of your comments or questions, We'll talk about it on tomorrow's show because it is a feedback, a fan feedback show, Feedback Thursday, coming up tomorrow. Uh, If you have not gotten your emails in, uh, now is the time to do it. Uh, You can send me an email, lockedoneddie at gmail.com, E-D-D-I-E, lockedoneddie at gmail.com. Of course, you're watching on YouTube. You can always post your comments below. I read every comment, and I appreciate any comments that are left. Uh, also, if you uh, want to follow us on Twitter or at Locked on LA Kings, Instagram at Locked on LA Kings as well. Looking forward to another fan feedback show coming up on Thursday, tomorrow's show on Locked on LA Kings. Thank you for making Locked on LA Kings your first listen today. Uh, if you would uh, like to get some more great hockey talk, make NHL game to game your second listen every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on game to game covers every game from across the NHL. With local analysis that only Locked On can deliver, it's game to game on Locked On NHL, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. I am Eddie Garcia. 
I'm a little less grumpy now than I was last night, but uh, looking forward to another big game against the Vegas Golden Knights. We will obviously talk about it uh, on Friday's show, uh, but I always want to thank you for listening and watching this episode of Locked on LA Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. We will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day, and as always, go Kings go.